two, Field of 12, After Dark, and Yogi Raw. Joined on a Tuesday, Clint Sterner, Darian Rencher, fellas. Excited to have you. We got a lot we're going to talk about. SEC, big game. Big 10, finally get a big game. Pac-12, it's kind of fun out here in the West Coast. A lot to talk about. Injuries. Some guys are coming back, possibly Bryce Young. Right. Uh, bet all, but as always, want to make sure that you know that we are powered by Bet Rivers. Find us on the Series XM app. And if you want some swag, go to the merch store, fieldof68.shop. So with that said, how are you? And here's the toast. Because we got a lot of games. We got a list of games. I got about 20 games. Toast to the game. You can either feel nostalgic about, excited about, wherever you want to go. I'm going to go first. And I don't want you to go obvious, okay? I'm going to go old school Big East, Miami at Virginia Tech. Kind of excited for mm. it. Kind of excited okay. for the old school throwback. Okay. Cheers to the old league, the Big East. Rest in peace. You went for I, I did not expect that one. Yeah, not, not many people are talking about that one. But I looked at the rundown, and I was like, a lot of ranked games. But that one kind of I'm excited for. Miami's got to find a win. Vatek, we're gonna talk Tennessee. Their former quarterback now at Tennessee. So some some threads there. Darren, who you got, man? Look here, you said the obvious. I'm excited about this weekend. The obvious game is Clemson Florida State because I feel like it has some of that old robberiness to it. Where oh, Florida I State's like that. finally, you know, what I'm saying Florida State's finally good again, and Clemson is has been Clemson. And so I think to me that's going. It could be a really good game because they haven't packed up that stadium really in years. And I feel like it'd be, it's a night game down at Doak. But the game I'm excited about is I'm excited to see Coach Venables try to shake back against Kansas. Kansas as you have told people that Kansas will be walking to Oklahoma, the favorite, in week one, people would have never believed you. But Kansas' favorite <laughs> is going, to, going into Oklahoma uh, this week. And I would love to see Coach V and the boys rally back uh, because it's it's not looking great right now. But I know he's trying to turn it around. I love it. Clint, what you got? All right, boys. Yogi, I'm typically – I pride myself on being coachable. But uh, you see that H peeking up over the bottom of my screen right there, young young fellas. Y'all see that, don't you? Y'all yeah. see that, don't Coach you? Throws. Hey, hey the, the one they love to hate, baby, the one they love to hate. I got to give it back to my Strohs, man. I mean, look, the Mariners come out there, and they knock Justin Verlander, who, by the way, I think is is the hands-down AL Cy Young uh, winner this year, knock him off the bump, man, and then go pile on a couple more runs late, lead the ball game the whole way through, but they messed around and let that man air your dime come to the plate in the bottom of nine with two on, down two, and he put that thing in the second deck, baby. You kidding me? The only chance the Mariners had in this series was to win the game where they knocked the Cy Young off the bump. And Jordan Alvarez went out there and took their soul, baby. Astros in three. Book it, fellas. Don't say I didn't never give you oh, something. No, Don't say I didn't no, ever no. tell you so. Come on. <laughs> oh, no. I'm going to Seattle. I got UW this weekend against Arizona. <laughs> Hey, Mariner. can we send you some Astro swag? I'll send, I'll send you one of these big time. You out, you out <laughs> your damn mind. There's... <laughs> hey, Yogi, but, but to your point, I'll, 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 let's talk a little college football. Let's you know where I'm – Alabama, Tennessee? Are you kidding me? 
I put the ball on the turf in Knoxville in front of 102,000, and it haunts me to this day. I mean, I need the Alabama Crimson Tide to go down there and put them balls in their place, baby. I, I, I'm, I'm riding the Alabama Crimson Tide this week in Knoxville. The atmosphere is going to be crazy. It's going to be an unbelievable football game. And for personal reasons, personal yeah. reasons, I don't want to hear that damn uh, – what's that What's that uh, Smoky Mountain song they sing all, down there all the time? Rocky Top. Oh, yeah. Rocky Top. Gosh, I, I hear that in my nightmares, Rich. Golly. I need yeah. Alabama to go wreck shop. What do you say, kids? Oh, it's going to be fun. I'll tell you what. Oh, what's exciting to see. Bro, so just being on the West Coast, like you get accustomed to certain games being big. Tennessee Bama hadn't been big in my eyes since like Lane Kiffin almost beat Bama if the field goal is not blocked. Like, so it's fun to see a different rivalry pop up. Like, that, that's kind of exciting, I think. We're going to talk to Jabari right. Small. Uh, we're going to have his interview with Greg Waddell here in a few minutes. But let's stay on this game. Game day is going to be there. We're all going to be glued to it. Um, right. When big games happen, right, we've all been a part of them. Ranch, I'm going to start with you because you're the most recent player. You're the youngest one of the trio here. When big games happen like this, you've been on the favorite side going on the road. Right. What do you think the mindset of Bama is? And what do you think like Bryce Young could do if he does end up going? Or if he doesn't go, that impact of being on the road will be? Yeah, I think it's one of those things is being steady. I, don't, I think saving, knowing the operation there and having played a big-time program like like in that caliber, it's business as usual. I, I wouldn't say they probably got up any more than they have the rest of the season. I feel like that's how Saban operates. I feel like he's getting those guys up as much for uh, La Tech as he is for this game. But you do you do feel the sense of urgency or like the fifth, the sense of importance uh, to put in probably a little more work because uh, you know it's going to be a lot more hectic and then just attention to detail. Games like this, especially if it's a game we all think it could be a real heavyweight battle matchup, uh, it's going to come down to the details throughout the week. So it's probably a real emphasis on like the plan down this week and like the details because this game's going to come down to it. Um but yeah, man, I, I think like a lot of people on the outside obviously make put a lot of noise on it. But when you when you're inside the building of these programs, I feel like each team, like you you walk around, like you you kind of if you don't think you've been there or you know you can do it, I feel like that's like a false sense of confidence. So you kind of walk around like, hey, this is what we do. That's why you come to get that's why you come to Bama and play in big time games. Yeah. Well, that's what they're selling in Tennessee too, as well. So Clint, for you, right. like flip it to the other side. Like you didn't no offense. Like you we neither one of us played at the powerhouse, you know. Hey, just put it out there, yo. I got thick skin, baby. <laughs> Penn and Arkansas weren't the powers that, that they had been at, at some point in, in our illustrious respective histories. Um, yeah. But we were there. We didn't feel that. So we were the ones hosting. Like, I remember top two or three Miami coming in every other year when we were playing back in the day. You had your moments. What do you think it's like being Tennessee now that the, like, the star, <clears throat> the lights, the, like, it is a different vibe than they've had in – Hell, since Bill Fulmer, like it's been a minute. Yeah, well, unfortunately, I, I felt the wrath of some of those teams, and and, uh, and they even gave them a couple of handouts. They, they, what they ought to do is Tennessee ought to send my ass one of them, uh, them brown McDonald's papers bag, paper bags that they were using <laughs> in recruiting a couple years ago when Fulmer got back. On. Hello, that's the least they could do is send one to 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 me. You know what I mean? Hell, I, I mean that's the least they could do. No, but look, I, I tell you what, I, I think. The vibe is definitely different at Tennessee. And 
I think the difference in this ball game is Tennessee believes that they belong in this ball game. And I don't know that anybody else truly believed that they belong in the ball game and had the product to back it up. You know what I mean? Like, yo, I look at, at Arkansas and when Arkansas played Alabama, I believe Arkansas thought they had a chance to win the ball game. Don't get me wrong. But the truth of the matter is, is Arkansas's defense was one of the worst defenses in the country. And everybody knew that Bryce Young was going to torch him. And he did that until he got hurt, right? I think you look at Tennessee and you got them coming to your place. There's going to be 102,000 on their toes. And I'm telling you, I've been there. I, they couldn't hear. My guard couldn't hear me audible in the first couple of drives of the ball game, right? It's one of the loudest places in America. It's unique because it's one of a handful of universities that have 102,000 um, seat capacity. So that, that puts it in a league of its own. And I think when you get down to the product of this thing, you're talking about one of the top offenses in the country. I think number two scoring offense in the country in Tennessee versus the number six scoring offense in the country in, in Alabama, I believe. And, and they believe that they can go toe to toe with those guys. And when you look at the defenses, I'll argue the defense, Alabama's obviously better, but I don't think it's a, it's a, a defense that the gap is big enough where they're going to overcome. 102,000 in Knoxville, home field advantage, playing with tempo, all of the things that Tennessee can bring to the table. So I think Tennessee is the first team that Bama's faced this year that really believes and has a product that tells me, you, and D, all of us, that they got a chance to beat these boys. You know, there's no glaring deficiencies. That was my my take, too, on just, like, looking at the landscape of this game because you see Bama – they struggle with Texas, and I don't think Texas really believed. And maybe who knows, Quinn Ewers could have played the rest of that game, seeing what he's done. Maybe that could have been the game that upset him. They struggled then. They struggled with Arkansas for a moment. You know, last week they struggled with A and M. To me, this is the first team going into the game where it's like they expect to win this game and play with them. It's not going to be a surprise through the game. Tennessee's up. Yeah, I'm with you, man. Um, I, I love the phrase that I, I've learned years ago from, from coaches. You've heard it. It's hoping versus knowing. So, so I'll tell you a story. I don't know how true this is, but this is, this is the lore of it. Go back to OU, USC, national title game down in Miami. The day before the game, Bob Stoops is doing media, and they're talking about like, yeah, I hope it rains. Maybe they'll slip. Maybe I'll slow Reggie down. And I, he would, could have been tongue-in-cheek. I don't know the context of it, but that, something to that effect is what was said. And the way SC spun it and Pete Carroll spun it to his team was like, yo, these guys are hoping that it rains. They're hoping that we fall. We, they hope that they get the PI call. They hope, they hope, they hope. Let me tell you what we do. We know. And, and that's what I'm really curious to see from Tennessee because we saw what they did last week. I turned on that LSU game in my hotel in Tucson, and I'm like, hold on, where's this game at? <laughs> like like i was like did they flip uniforms because i saw the what you know and it just blew my and that was the first time where i was like to put up like to put the beat down as they did on lsu that got me to notice for the first time and simultaneously i'd be curious what you think clint i don't think this year georgia bama ohio state clemson i don't think anybody is like in a class of their own I just don't. And like, I could see the playoff coming down to like multiple one loss teams in terms of who gets an invite. 
I could see Tennessee doing it this weekend. They got a vet quarterback. He's been around. The tempo, to your point, is a thing. We'll see how Bryce is feeling. I hope he's good to go. But I still, even if he does go, I don't think Alabama is like, yep, they're going to roll in like 2020 and just roll. Like, no big deal. So I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you, Yoga. I, I think I, I've always said this, and, and, and a lot of people disagree, but but I just, I, I'll, I'll, it's a hill I'm going to die on. Tennessee is one of the teams in the East, and don't I don't know how the hell they do it, but even from my days all the way moving forward, good good seasons, bad seasons, yo, they've always got dudes. They've always got Jimmys and Joes that can play with Georgia, that can play with Alabama. I'm telling you, it, it goes like this. You got Georgia, Florida, Tennessee in the East, always got dudes, right? And in the, in the West, you got Auburn, you got LSU, and you got Alabama. Always have dudes. It's never it's never a, a player problem, like a talent problem or a depth problem in those with those universities. Um, that they can never lean on the crutch that Kentucky can lean on and Arkansas can lean on. And really, that's one reason why I'm so hard on AM because they should be in that damn category, right? Yeah. I mean, ultimately, they should be in that category. And so Tennessee has those dudes. Now they got a play caller that's a game changer. They got a quarterback that fits the system so beautifully, right? And 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 they they've just they've played the transfer portal perfect. They've I mean it's it's just a perfect storm. I don't know if they can keep up with Georgia and Alabama, but damn it, it sure looks good in, in the lead into it and, and on paper for sure. So we're going to get to an interview with Jabari Small in a minute. Prior to that, I just think for this game. The biggest key will be can Tennessee just survive the first quarter, right? And all of a sudden, let that confidence grow, let that crowd really vibe, really feel right. feed into it. And can Alabama take them out? Like, can they run the football? Can they play physical? Can they get they get two or three three and outs and eliminate some tempo? Not let them get first down, and keep it moving. Uh, so, with that said, we talked to one of the top players at Tennessee, Jabari Small, Greg Waddell of Field of Twelve. Had a chance to sit down with him. Take a listen running back Jabari Small. Jabari, first of all, thank you so much for being here, man. And congrats on the huge win against LSU last week. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So let's just start uh, from the top here. You guys are going to host college game day for the second time in a month. That doesn't happen very often in college football history. There's clearly an excitement around this program and the way you guys are playing right now. What's it like to be a part of that experience and is the buzz on campus just sort of like it's got to be sustained now, right? This is the second time in a month you're hosting game day. Yeah, it's very, very fun. Uh, Coach Hopper always says, you know, we've built this. Uh, we've we've made this uh, what it is. And this fan base is second to none. So uh, we just try to take in the whole experience. And it's very fun being a Tennessee volunteer right now. So I'm glad you brought up Coach Hypel because we talked last night on After Dark about how rare it is for uh, a, a quote-unquote new coach to take a team that, you know, is a bowl team, but uh, you guys were seven and six last season, and now all of a sudden you're in the top ten uh, with everything in front of you from a potential run-the-table standpoint. That's very rare for new coaches to do. What is it about Coach Heupel and about this group specifically that has allowed you to go from where you were just a year ago to where you are now? Uh, I think it's a combination of a lot of things. Coach Heupel, uh, he wants it to be player-led, and I think that's very, very important. 
happen. Like you have to have leaders on the team because we have to step out on the field and get each other, keep keep each other in check. And our progress, like I mean, our process uh, is is very like step by step. Like there's no skipping the process. Our work habits are are very good. And uh, we also just learned from our mistakes from last year. You know what I mean? We don't skip any 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 steps in the process. We we work very hard and we address all our weaknesses. So uh, this this time it was coming any anytime soon now. So just to be in this position, Coach Hybels put us in a great opportunity uh, to to play out this Saturday and and just be in this position. So obviously a massive game coming to. To, to your campus this weekend, right? Yeah. Alabama, uh, you know, they're the class of college football they have been for a decade under Nick Saban. This year, there's obviously some health concerns with that team at quarterback right now, but what are you expecting from this Alabama team for this game this week? It's a rivalry, you know what I mean? They have great athletes everywhere, you know what I mean? It's Alabama. Uh, I'm expecting a physical game, four quarters, a uh, dogfight, you know what I mean? I don't, I don't want nothing less. Uh, this is what we kind of live for, you know what I mean? Coming to Tennessee, I mean, you live for games like this. Uh, kind of give me chills thinking about it right now, but, I mean, it nothing else to say. It's just time to play, you know what I mean? It's just going to be a physical, hard-fought game. Be sure to check that full interview out on the Field of Falls YouTube, cha- YouTube page. Thank you to Greg and Jabari for the time. So with that said, D, I know you love the quarterback of Tennessee. Right. We all know what Bama is on defense. Right. Where does he need to – what does he need to do? Does he need to elevate? Does he need to play Superman? Does he just need to do what he's done throughout the majority of his Tennessee career? What are your thoughts? Right. I think he needs to be consistent. So I know him. He's uh, from that, like, the same area, kind of Carolinas. Um, he played it, went to BT and didn't work out there. Um, and was one of those kids who, like, wanted to stick it out, but at the same time kind of started writing on the wall and better, he better himself – and won a job last year, if you see his career, like kind of won it midseason and just kind of elevated to be the guy and it was promising. And then this year, I mean, he just walked in full confident. Like you, you can tell you got, he got a true summer under his belt. He got the camaraderie of the guys. People were believing him. The coaches were believing him. And since game one, he's been like – it's been very evident. And then through six games, he's shown it's not a fluke. So to me, if he can just be consistent, like do what he's done in basketball games, lead the offense, have big plays – He's really good with his feet, can extend plays, can make those quarterback runs, go go for first downs. So I think if they can just be who they've been through the first six games, I think they're going to give Alabama problems. Um, and so I, that's I, to me, like this game really comes down to him. If if and this is a Heisman moment, we talk about a lot of Heisman moments on this on this thing. To me, if he wins this game, mm. look, I don't know what he does the rest of the season, but he needs a seat in New York for sure because this oh. is his moment. Johnny Manziel esque, right? Johnny got a yeah. run in Tuscaloosa, right? I believe uh, that kind of set him up for his run. All right, so Clint, flip it to the other side for for Bama. Like, does it matter who plays quarterback? Like, we've seen strengths from obviously Bryce, the reigning Heisman winner, talking Heisman, but we know Nick Saban and Bill O'Brien they're going to game plan around whatever quarterback is going to ride with them. Like, what what do they need to be offensively against this Tennessee defense, who has steadily improved as the years gone on? Well, they need to not turn the football over. I mean, that, look, that's what Bryce right. did early in the Arkansas game. That's what they did down the stretch in the Arkansas game and, and let the let Arkansas back in it. And, and then last week they turned it over. You know, that, that game last week would have been a 14-plus a point game if, if the young fella doesn't, doesn't turn it over twice in, from in the pocket in terms of fumbling the ball, throws up a prayer that's just a, a misread, should have never threw the football, and then they had another fumble 
um, turned it over four times and missed two field goals. And so they're lucky that they didn't lose that ball game. Um, you know, so from a quarterback perspective, I think this is one of those games where if you're going to, if you're going to beat Tennessee, I think you need Bryce Young. I, I, I think you can, you can beat a lot of teams and I think you can beat a lot of teams convincingly if you don't turn it over um, with Jalen Milrow, the backup, they, they, they completely, they should completely change their offense and be more of a run, run oriented, run dominant football team with, with uh, Jalen Milrow in there. And when Bryce Young is there, I think the ceiling's just significantly higher in terms of scoring more points. And when you're up against a Tennessee offense, that's the number two scoring offense in America, then, then you better have the ability to go, go put some points on the board. Here's, here's the thing that I think is, is big in this game, guys, is if you look down the list, uh, the question is this, is Alabama's defense really as good as we all think they are? The best quarterback they've played to date is K.J. Jefferson. And K.J. Jefferson is – is if they can run the football, they're really, really good, and he can spin it around the park. But they're about as one-dimensional as, as you can be in terms of obvious passing situations. K.J.'s not that guy, right? They got a 28-point lead, and we're up 28-7 at half and forced them into a position where they really had to throw the football and then knocked him out of the game. So um, I don't know that they've – seen a quarterback play caller skill group like Tennessee yet, if we're being completely honest. So I, I question whether Alabama's defense is really as good as we think it is. And the good thing is, fellas, Tennessee's going to test them this weekend. We're going to find out if they're, if, if they're real or not. No yeah. doubt. Yeah, we are. And then we'll find out next week when Bama plays Mike Leach's squad, which I think is, a, is worthy of a discussion. Because they're they're doing it a bunch of different ways. And to me, it's the defense. Like we've known Mike Leach forever. Who doesn't love a post-game interview with Coach Leach? I mean, who doesn't <laughs> right. love like a Tuesday night midnight phone call from Coach Leach? Like they're amazing, man. Like I, I miss him out here on the West Coast. But he's finding his way, you know, and he's a guy everywhere he's gone year one has been a challenge because it's either his way or you're gone. Like he does not play in that regard. And I think he's got like his roster. We know he has his style of play. I mean, look look at that side of the SEC. If Bama's to lose, I might get kind of yeah. interesting next week. You know, and and I think it's fair. I don't. I'm not ready to talk about Mississippi State of like going to the playoff or winning the national championship, but I think it's fair to give them a little bit of love because I think around the country, a lot of times it's yeah, of course they're Alabama and Georgia and what'd you say earlier, Florida, Tennessee, and that was kind of the, the TNLSU. And right now, Mississippi State's playing like you could argue three, four, five within the league, right? Ole Miss, Mississippi State, I don't know, coin toss, right? Tennessee will find out on Saturday. Kentucky, they had a loss over the weekend. What do you, what do you think about Leach? And as the games finally get a little bit better and more competitive in the SEC, what, what they've been, what they've been able to do? To me, I think after LSU loss, I think they've kind of rallied back. Um, and they've had I mean, two convincing wins. I mean, 42-24 against A&M, a Beat really them. convincing win against, against Arkansas and the Clint Sterners, of the, you know what I'm saying, of the world. Yeah. But it's just like <laughs> – um, but I just I think they're like – they obviously are gelling well as a team. They're scoring points. I feel like Mike Lee just notoriously known to put points on the board and manufacture a scheme that works for the players he has. And so I think – and you look at their schedule, like you said, they got Kentucky and they got Bama, I think will be two good tests. They can get to get through this Kentucky game and get Bama run for that money. I think it could be interesting. Yeah. I think Clint. Yeah, no, look, man, I, I just I, I believe 
um, and always have believed about Mike Leach and, and the Air Raid. They can beat any team in America on any given Saturday. Look out. But right. they can also turn around <laughs> and get blown out. <laughs> and get blown out by anybody in America. It, it just it's still like I mean, you can't you can't go score 16 points against LSU. And I know LSU's got a good defense. At least to this point, they've got a good defense. I get it. But if you're if you're gonna hang your hat on tempo and 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 running a, a boatload of plays and and throwing the ball all over the park, um, you can't you can't go out there and score sixteen because that the, you turn the ball just that style of offense sixteen points ain't gonna get it. You're you're giving you're 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 giving the opponent too many opportunities, way too fast, and it's too difficult to overcome. And so you know I, I, that that game scares me a bit. And, and again, in reality, you know you look at the A and M A and M's offense is is just absolute trash. They can't score points at all. Um, Arkansas, they for some reason they started Cade Fortin and should have started the Malik Hornsby kid. But even with that, you know, I look at that and, and that offense was was suspect. Um, I just don't know that they've really been been tested by at this point in time in the season. And I don't trust Mike Leach to make a, a twelve game run. If I'm being completely honest, yeah, I'm with you there. I, I what I like about this is that whoever's calling it, I think it's on the SEC Network. They're going to get some throwback picks. Now, this is Leach coaching the O line at Kentucky back in the day with Tim Couch. Like this is going to be the B roll is going to be fascinating. Yes. So tune into that. All right, so let's flip it to the Big Ten. We finally got a really good game in the Big Ten. Like I feel like we haven't had one. Like we've been arguing for okay, Maryland, Michigan's a big game. Oh, it didn't really turn out to be one. Penn State and Michigan, top ten matchup. I don't know who either one of these teams are really. Where do you, how do you see this one shaking out? We know the environment. We know the quarterbacks. We know the coaches. They've been there for a minute. We've seen this play out in years past, usually tight. Seen the road team win. Clint, I'll start with you on this one. Like, what do you, what do you think? And for Penn State, if they get it, is this like a signature win? Because I feel like they haven't had one. I'm sure they have, but it just feels like they haven't had one. Oh, I mean, that'd be a signature win. Absolutely. I mean, it, it would be. Uh, an absolute monster win for Penn State. It'd be a monster win for Franklin, one that, let's be honest, quite frankly, he needs. Um, so, yeah, I, look, I, I don't I don't believe they have the horses to get it done, but for Penn State in terms of what it would what it would mean and what it would look like, I mean, look, they'd be 6-0 and at that point in time, obviously top five or six team at that point in time. So so that alone is, is, is huge for Penn State, but um, – just being able to knock off Michigan in that in that conference would be, and in, and in that side of the division would be absolutely huge for Penn State. So what what I mean, you said it'd be monumental. Like, what do you see about Michigan that makes it like going to be that monumental? Like, has Michigan that, been impressive for you? Like, I, I, know you I got I got two things for you, big time. Don't mean to step on your toes, Wrench. I got two things: a big yellow M with a little bitty number five next to it, Chief. That right there, that right there is enough for Penn State. Got That's it. it. That's all I see. That's all I need to see. Okay. All right, all right Ranch. What you got? Yeah, I think um, to me it's interesting because Penn State is I don't think a self-proclaimed powerhouse, but it seemed like that of recent years. Like we definitely live in like the glory days of like probably five years ago when they were really giving people run for their money. But recently, it's kind of been like it's kind of been bumpy, and I think their program needs a season. Uh, like he said, the coach uh, needs a season like this to, to kind of rally back 
and for them to be like the program that they like coach Franklin has built has built it up to be. Um, Cause I feel like the resume hasn't looked, looked as clean as it has been in previous years. And so to me, this is a, it's a big game. You got Sean Cliff, you got a veteran and quarterback, you got a leader, trusted guy. So it would be a big win for his, for his career uh, to, to, to knock off Michigan. And then to me, Michigan, even though like they obviously always winning and they're always in the talk, to me, I don't know why. Like they always take the take the backseat to Iowa State, even though they beat him last year. You know, always. it's but it, it's still like the narrative of like like Iowa State's always get more love, always get more attention, and Michigan somehow is like the silent killer who's like doing what they need to be doing, but nobody ever truly believes in it. And I don't know why. And so hopefully, maybe this is a game where they can step up, rise up, and like go step a mud hole in Penn State, and we all looking at them as like, hey, look, y'all, y'all are for real. But even even through all the games, like they blow people out, and people are like, I don't know about Michigan. Yeah, so this go it's gonna be a good one. Yogi, Yogi has has either one of these teams. I mean, I hate to keep going back to this this opinion, I guess. But it, I mean, has either one of these teams been tested at all? That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't think so. Like, I think going to Auburn and preparing for that, like, like the way they did it, you're like, whoa. But I'm with you. Like, we know what Auburn is this year, and I. The Indiana game I watched because it was the early one over the weekend, and I was like, "Yeah, I don't the know." Purdue game, the Purdue game was fun too. Like, I don't, they've yeah. had some tested games, but I don't think they've been tested by a good team. No, you know? and I think that league is not like. I think everybody's really competitive, you know. But I don't look at anybody other than Ohio State, and I'm like, okay, you know, like I think every other league's top, whether it's the Big Twelve or the Pac Twelve or the ACC. Like, say Clemson on the conversation, but like the teams underneath that that like the big four that always get a pass to in the SEC and then Ohio State and Clemson, like everybody else, I could see them playing Michigan and Penn State. And I think it's interesting what you said, Clint, about Penn State because they've won two of the last three matchups. Now, granted, 2020 was with front of no fans in that stadium. But to the point, D, of you that you made of like the narrative, like it's kind of Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State. And I remember growing up, I grew up with like Kajana Carter, Kerry Collins, like – it was Penn, it was Penn State, Lavar Arrington, Brandon Short. Like that's what it was, and I think if they can get this one on the road, uh, and then you look at the recruiting classes that Penn State's pulled in, and then the yeah. long extension that James Franklin has, like he ain't going anywhere. Like it, I think it's got a chance to be like a catalytic turn for the narrative on Penn State because the reality is they right. won two of the last three, struggled last year, um, and then I want to see um, I want to see QB one in Michigan. Like, I think he is gifted. I think J.J. McCarthy can deal. I think he's going to be the guy we all talk about all offseason into next year. He's going to – this is his first big big one. You know, it'll, it'll be fun to see how how it shakes out in that regard. Right. Okay. Um, with that said, Ohio State. Yeah. Are they the best team we've seen? D, I'll start with you. Like, what Man, they're, they're a walking highlight reel. They just look like For real. They look like they look like the best team. I don't, we're gonna see if they're gonna be the best team. Was Austin, uh, but you know, like uh, some guys, maybe a basketball analogy, but they just they just flash it. It's it's not a quiet thirty points a game. It's like a loud thirty points. Like you know, they are scoring, they are making plays, and it just looks good. That's all. That's 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 probably the best. Way I can say they they look good doing what they do, and I, nobody looks like they can stop them. CJ Stroud's doing his thing. The receivers. As much as talent as they had leave last year, and Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, 
I mean, even Smith and Jigba being out and kind of being off and on this year, they've had guys rise up and it looks like they haven't missed a beat. Yeah. Clint, to me, they look like the number one team in America. Because granted, to the haven't been tested argument, they haven't been. Right, everybody's week one game. It was Notre Dame. It was highly competitive. It was a fun one to watch. Arkansas State, Toledo, Wisconsin. We know what's going on there. Rutgers, Michigan State has fallen off since they got rolled by UW out on the West Coast. Like we haven't really seen it. And if you look at them now, they're only going to out of the remaining games two ranked teams: Penn State and, of course, the team up north, right, with Michigan. Right. Like it's it's going to be a funky year in that. Like because I think when we don't see the tests, we just default to what it's been so what does your eye tell you clint as, as you watch them i think when you talk about the number one team in the country it's a two-horse race and it's ohio state and georgia look I, I mean i think georgia played a couple of games neck and neck like i said last week i can't hold the missouri game against georgia no more than i can hold the notre dame game against ohio state or the texas uh game against alabama so they've all had that that near, they've all had that scare right um the, the fact of the matter is, I think when you play a 12-game season, everybody's going to have it. And, and the good teams, the great teams, the championship-caliber teams, they find a way to win, with or without their starting quarterback and with or without their A game. They find a way to win, and we move on. And so they, they all three of those football teams have done that. And so I, I really look down to the eye test. I don't think Alabama's in the same category with Georgia or or Ohio State, if I'm being completely honest. I do believe that Ohio State, from an eye test perspective, is is the most explosive offense in, in college football. And truth of the matter is they're going to get better when they get Njigba Smith back, right? Or is it Smith and Jigba? Which way is it? Yeah. Smith and Jigba. You know, you know, you got it. One way, I'm, I'm somewhat dyslexic, you know what I mean? Um, but but there's they're the most explosive offense. But but yo, I'm gonna be honest with you. I I can't put the 49-3 Oregon out of my mind. Right. I, I can't put for Georgia to go in there and dominate a team that's right now was number 11 last week. I, are they number 10? Are they in the top 10 this week in, in Oregon? No, they're um, 12 right below UCLA. They're 12. Yeah. Right, so, so, I mean, I, that to me, that's the marquee game of the big boys that we're talking about, the five or six schools every week that we're talking about. These are the, the ones that could be in the college football playoff. The first, the first like resume type win is Georgia 49, Oregon 3. And the, the more Oregon hangs around, the the, tr- the more true that's going to be. So I got Georgia I got Georgia 1, Ohio State 2. And I tell you what, you could before this show's over, Yogi, you could probably talk me into flipping. <laughs> All yeah. right, well, let's talk about the West Coast because there are some fun games this yeah. weekend. And then as we look to next weekend, this weekend, three teams have buys in the Pac-12. Two of them play in less than two weeks. Chip Kelly taking the Bruins back on up to Autzen Stadium and Eugene to play the aforementioned Ducks. And I had Oregon over the weekend. I'm telling you, man. And and they got to live with 49-3. This team, we said it many times, 29 missed tackles. A bunch of those were forced. 329 yards after contact. A bunch of those were forced. But since that game, they don't miss tackles. They don't allow yards after contact. The secondary lockdown, a really good passing attack. Over the weekend, Bo Nix, he's going to have a stage. We'll talk about it next week, but he's going to have a stage. But with that said, put that game to the side for a second. Let's talk about SC going to Utah. We talked about Utah a ton in the preseason. We talked about a ton after the Florida game. UCLA, they ran the ball. Zach Charbonnet, I don't know what your short list of top running backs in America is, 
He up but there. He's got to be on it. Right, yeah, he, he up there for sure. He's up for there. Sure. So, so what do you think about SC going to Utah? I want to hear where you guys are at and like the national and your region thought on right. that. And then I'll tell you what I'm feeling having been around those teams. To me, Utah losing, I feel like that backs against the wall because obviously they, they, they were able to kind of run the tables last year. And it's like, this is a must game win for them as a program for them to kind of stay in that conversation. They've been in like New Year's six bowls, even winning the, winning the pac 12. And so obviously it would have been like, it may not easier, but they get the win last week against UCLA. They kind of come with this game a little more, like you got a little more leeway. You lose two and a lot of your dreams start to go down the toilet. Um, Cause I can't, I think a couple of teams are probably one loss or somebody will come out undefeated. I would think. So I think as a Utah team, this is like a must-win game for them, and vice versa. I think this is a, a big win for Lincoln, for them to le- really legitimize what they're doing. Because I feel like, they, like that's another team. I, I think they're playing well, but it's not like dominant every weekend and week out. It's like they're playing good, and to me, like the potential, they are like Caleb Williams, Jordan, Jordan Addison. They're not – they're playing really good. You can tell me – you can see it more than I do, but I feel like they're not going crazy like people thought it would be like – Every week, 500 yards of throwing, and you know it's just. And he he was a the Blitnikoff Award winner. Like it's not that, but they're getting it done. And so to me, this would be a great win to for them as a resume builder to go in there and get and get this win. All right, Clint, who you got in this one and why? I got USC in this one just simply because I, I I think that Utah is one. They don't have what they had to play for with two losses now. Your college football playoffs are over. Um, you're flirting with, with I mean, just being out of the conversation in, in the Pac-12, if we're being completely honest with the, with the schools that are rocking and rolling right now. As we see it, Yogi, you're, you're more qualified to tell us about that. But I, I think when I watch Utah, there was a lot of conversations early about them, about, man, it's 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 the – the team first, the the eleven guys on on one accord. The the culture's great, you know this and that. Right. And that's that's powerful. It really is. Until you run up against a team that can just light the scoreboard up, and when and you're not, I just don't think Utah is built to to win a shootout. I don't think Utah is built to go in there and score with USC. And and to be honest with you, I, I don't I don't know what the stats say, but I I do not believe that Utah is going to stop USC. And so I think it's a shootout if it's close at all. And I don't think Utah is built to, to play that way, to win that way. Now, they can. We've seen them score a lot of points. We've seen them. But, but again, yo, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like when I watch Utah score a lot of points, it seems like it's a quarterback that's not super athletic out there running around for his life, and he's got grass stains from head to toe. It, just, it, it, it looks like Bo Nix at Auburn where they are just – I mean, it is – He's going to leave with his tongue on the dragging the ground when the game's over. There's nothing easy when they get in that shootout type of ball game. And I just think that USC is more suited for that um, leading into this game. Yeah. There's, it's so compelling, this ball game. So let's just start with the setting. Five o'clock, it's going to be 70 some straight sellouts at Rice Eccles, which is Utah yeah. Stadium. The last time SC went on the road, I, I called that game at Oregon State and they struggled with the noise ball starts having to call timeouts like it was just just a different deal you've seen them adjust offensively since that game a couple weeks ago you've also seen sc i think offensively to your point d like they haven't been boom 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 jordan addison left the game injured let's hope he plays we'll see what happens as the week goes on in terms of their game against washington state over the weekend 
They didn't have their captain and linebacker, Shane Lee, the transfer from the SEC as well in that ball game. But it's the defense that keeps growing. Like the TFLs, like the movement up front. Alex Grinch, he's going to pick whatever head job he wants, in my opinion, if he even wants one coming out of the season. I think he's that prime for a bunch of the openings that exist currently and that likely will exist as the season continues. But with that said, for Utah, I'm telling you, man, I had them two weeks ago, and I was like, okay, Florida game, defensive front was young. They lost, obviously, a first-rounder in Devin Lloyd, two other guys that played 40-some games in their career there. They're going to be good, though. They've got the young guys and now have a half a season. UCLA moved the line of scrimmage. And I don't think that's something you can really fix. Like, I think you can find ways to scheme it, and guys are going to play with great effort, and and their defense is all freshmen and sophomores right now. Uh, in in the front seven. But to your point, like Travis Dye is the guy that nobody talks about in SC. He just keeps getting 130, 140 yards a game. This old line wearing no gloves. Yeah, wearing no gloves. He's never been Look, a that's guy. what that's what you know somebody is like as a back, you're like, bro, this ain't wearing no gloves. He either awesome. is terrible. He is literally absolutely terrible or he's a dude. And he's he a falls dude. in the cat he call, he falls in the category of being a dude. Bro, he's gonna finish his career for with over four thousand rushing yards. Right, if you think he's one of the all-time leading rushers at Oregon, and he's gonna he's having a heck of a season for SCs. But my whole point to kind of net out is that I think you guys are on it in terms of for Utah. Two weeks ago, they lost their best player, Brant Keithy. I mean, this guy did everything. The offense was built to run through him. He's a tight end, wide out hybrid. And they're trying to find their way. Like, who's the guy to have a guy? They gotta have a conversion on a third down. They need an explosive play. They haven't necessarily found that consistent person yet. SC's defense, I think, is really active. So I think we got a great game back and forth. I think if Utah can slow down the run, they play a ton of man coverage. They can survive. They got Clark Phillips, who'll be an NFL. He'll be a first-round guy. He's kind of like Trent McDuffie from a year ago, who ended up going to the Kansas City Chiefs. If they can eliminate some big explosive plays, they'll have a chance because the home crowd is that legit. But I'm so excited to watch SC go on the road again, and how do they handle this one? Because they had one, and you said earlier, great teams just find a way to win and move on. They found a way to win last play of the game. Addison, the whole shot from Caleb Williams, and away they go, get back on the plane, come to L.A. Uh, from Corvallis. They're going to have to have a little bit of that in this ball game, and, and I think that their offense, they just kind of keep leaning on you and leaning on you. And your point about Utah's offense, I don't know if they have enough firepower to keep pace, but I think we get an awesome game in, uh, in Salt Lake City. So that's where I net out with that one. Um, I do think that we should talk about, like, Let's talk about, I want to talk about two topics before we get out of here. Um, one is the Heisman. We're at midseason. Yeah. And two, I want to talk about transferring. Because I think it's worthwhile discussion. So we got about 15 minutes or so less. So let's talk about the Heisman. And I'm going to give you a West Coast pitch now. And I'm curious where you guys net out at. Like, I think we walk into the season and we have our candidates. And then we track our candidates. And then maybe somebody emerges. But I look at, like, Dorian Thompson Robinson right now. This is a guy who yeah. came in. 304 pass attempts in high school. Most have over 1,000 when they enter college. He had minimal. He started one season as a senior. He was behind Tate Martell, if you remember that name, at Bishop Gorman out of Las Vegas. Comes to UCLA, starts in week two at Oklahoma. He's been the starter ever since. First two years, up and down. And I think that narrative has followed him. When you look at the last three years, fellas, 68 tugs, 12 picks. This year, completing 75% of his passes, and he's not a dink-and-dunk quarterback. I think, like, the stage is set for him. We said Heisman moment earlier. He against Bo Nix and Autzen. Like, I think DTR is a real guy. Curious 
where you net out on that from the regions you sit in and, and where you kind of sit around that award right now? Yeah, I think this this award is is obviously a quarterback like friendly award, offensively friendly award. Um, so just like I can don't really see a defensive guy even having the the prowess, even kind of being a conversation like last year. Aiden Hutchinson had like he had a lot of hype around him. He had a really big game and the Ohio State game, which kind of gave him that narrative going into the award. Um, but this year, I man, it's, it's a lot of offensive guys kind of having good narratives. Uh, a lot of it to me comes in off the offseason. Or unless you have like a Cinderella type year, and so to me, like obviously C.J. Stroud, Bright, I, I can't see him giving to Bryce back to back, especially him not having a full season, so he's kind of out of it. Uh, then coming off the like last year, obviously C.J. Stroud was kind of in a conversation being the first pick overall, so his narrative would kind of already set the stage for him, and he's living up to it right now. And as, as long as Ohio State keeps clicking, to me, I feel like he could stay right there in that top spot. And then you got the narrative of Caleb Williams. He had a great narrative, but I don't think he's playing spectacular, spectacular enough unless he comes on like this. He has a big game this week, next week, and comes on and has like a, like a crazy Heisman game. He could be, he could have it. But to me, the best narratives, I like DTR's narrative of being an older guy sticking around and putting UCLA back into that top a top top spot. But to me, Hendon Hooker's the guy. Look, I'm telling mm. y'all, look, yeah. Hendon Hooker to me has the best stage as far as narrative goes to go win the Heisman this year. I think C.J. Stroud's got a great team. In it. I like what he's got going on there. But as far as, like, being tested, and to me, the Michigan game might be too late, too late to build an area. I feel like if Hendon can get this game this weekend and go win the rest of these games or have a couple more huge games, but, but really this week, to me, after halfway through the season, he I think he leaves the, he leaves the Heisman race. Mm. All right, Clint, where are you net out? Yeah, look, I think I think you got your two big boys in, in Bryce Young and Stroud, and they're not going anywhere. Like like uh, Rich said, I, look, and and then I do believe the 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 number one, the guy that has the 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 has played well enough to this point, means enough to his team, and then also has enough enough big time games left moving forward that if he if he if they run the table, he there's no doubt about it. It's Hendon Hooker. He's going now. I do believe I do believe on the West Coast. If, if whichever whichever quarterback, DTR or or uh, or Caleb Williams, whichever one runs the table, and because I mean They'll the, be the, the numbers are going to be there. I mean these guys. I mean the numbers these guys are putting up, along with the Phoenix kid in Washington, is is uh, absolute. I mean, yeah, Bo Nix is is crushing it. I mean, really? so um, I, I I think I think when you look at that, it's it's about the two undefeated teams right now because I do I do believe that for. Uh, an outsider to, to even be in the conversation or even get the invite, a Hendon Hooker or um, or Caleb Williams or DTR, any of these outside guys, they, it's going to be whoever goes undefeated. It's going to be whoever right. runs. Like I, I think Hendon Hooker could probably lose one because you got you got so many good ones on your on your schedule that you could he could probably lose one and put up big numbers. And being any place in the SEC, he's going to get enough credit. Um, but I don't think any either guy on the West Coast can lose a ball game and still get that kind of that kind of love. But I do think it's a I think DTR is the outsider that that if he if he can knock off SC and knock off Caleb Williams, I think all of a sudden they start uh, they start. I mean, he takes a huge leap in in the in in the, the talk the conversation. I want to ask him to that thought because as far as the Heisman stuff goes. Because it, it, I think winning does matter when it comes to getting invited. 
Like, I feel like a couple of guys got good, good enough narratives right now. If they can play these things out, I see them kind of in that driver's seat. Like, him is kind of in the driver's seat. If he can win this game. To me, a couple of running backs that kind of catch my eye that mm. I feel like can be default invites if they can pull their seasons together. I think Jameer Gibbs, with Bryce Young being down, if Jameer Gibbs comes on this week and for the rest of the season, like, he's been doing these past couple games, like, I mean, I feel like he's as dynamic of a player and it means as much to his team as anybody this year. Like, without, without Jameer Gibbs this year, Bama might have two losses. Like, take Jameer Gibbs away from Bama. They might have two or three losses. Like, he has been the sole reason. And some of the players come on for sure. But you take him out of that offense, like, I think it's, it's not what it is. So I think he's got a he's, – he's obviously a, a contender. But I think – talk about Michigan. Blake Corum. They feed him, bro, 25, 30 carries a game. I mean, his stats right now are ridiculous. Touchdowns and yards per game. If they can figure it out and they are undefeated, I can see him being one of those guys. But that's if, like like Clem was saying, one of those quarterbacks that don't live up to the hype. To me, those are two guys that I think could be really good fillers as they get it, you get closer to New York. Yeah, I think – Unfortunately, I think the Heisman, a, a, to your point, D, like it's a quarterback award. We recognize that for the most part. You have to be out of this world. Like you have to be ridiculous. But it's also like, I think as you have to build the game up, like you have to build up the Heisman moment, you know, like, and I, right. I think that's just a thing, right? Like look at the, in my opinion, no offense to the winner that year, but the fact that Christian McCaffrey didn't win the Heisman, it's a tragedy. I know. Right. He broke every record <clears throat> in the history of the records. Right. By Barry Sanders. Right? Like it was just off the charts. And I, I say that of like, I wonder even out here on the West Coast, like Pac-12 plays nine conference games. Nobody's ever run the table. Right. But there's these moments right to that point. So at Austin Stadium, Bo Nix, DTR, one will emerge from that. Right. Game. And then, you, you know, pending SC Utah game, Bo Nix may or may not not have another Heisman opportunity like to play Washington, to play a rival. But UW isn't what they were early on. If Utah beats SC, now week 11, Utah in Autzen is a moment. And then you get a Pac-12 right. title game. If not, then you got to go to the championship game. And as I've learned as a voter, it's jacked. But they allow you to cast your vote prior to championship weekend. Christian McCaffrey, I think it was like 15 or 20% of the voters already submitted their ballot. I think he ran for like 320 in the Pac-12 title that weekend. Like, just to me, you should lose your vote immediately. And there's already 900 people who have a vote, which I think is absurd regardless. Right. But it, it will be interesting as we play it out. Um, all right. So before we leave, we got 10 minutes. We've all played. I think there, I, I really think this is, is going to be a powerful dialogue. We've seen players this week, last week, enter the transfer portal or say, I'm going to redshirt, finish academically because you can't pull an individual's whole athletic scholarship and we anticipate a lot of these guys transferring if you were back in your locker room d i'm gonna start with you because you're the youngest of the group and you had guys doing that and i'm talking about like starters like we've seen it at smu we saw it at sc we've seen like or at least contributors or or backups that might have to elevate when jordan addison gets hurt like gary bryant's not there anymore right what do you think the locker room is like now because i know what it would have been back in the day but I wonder if you think there's more of an understanding around like, hey, man, I get it, versus, yo, we're trying to take a run here. Yeah, I think it's it's crazy it sounds. I think it's a lot of guys that we just understand it. Because I mean, it's happened in my career. Like, guys would opt out mid-season or four games in. Uh, they were contributors, but it just wasn't going that way. 
And sadly, a lot of times it did not work out in their favor. And I think that's a testament to kind of principles of why you, of how you should move in situations like that. I think it's always the right way to do those things and the wrong way to do those things. It's not necessarily about leaving or not leaving. It's about how you do those things. And so, but in my situation, I think a lot of guys in the locker room are very understanding because the NFL is such a, a rough race for so many people. And they're trying to find the best way to get to that goal. And if that's sitting out and saving some time uh, for a better, better opportunity, then guys understand it. But like I said, to me, it's not really about the what. It's about more so how guys are doing it and how they go about it. Yeah. What do you think, Clint? Yeah, this is a tough one for me, man, because I, I just I didn't play with dudes that 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 would have that would have done it. I mean, I, I just the guys that I played with that were potential first rounders never even thought about it. I mean, never. I mean, and a lot of guys back when I played, no, nobody sat out. But I mean, everybody was aware of, hey, I got an NFL career ahead of me. I'm gonna buy this insurance policy and I'm gonna go play with my fellas. So I, I, I just. I have a hard time with it because I can't relate. Now I played with a bunch of guys that were nowhere near as good as they thought they were. That would have said, oh, I'm, "I'm I'm sitting out. I ain't gonna be here. I'm 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 not gonna risk getting hurt." In reality, your ass is underperforming, and and you don't like being your feet being held to the fire, and so you're gonna run to the for the hills, and you're gonna end up being a free agent with my ass. Is what you're gonna do? I mean, right. at, at the at the end of the day, I just especially this time of year. I can I can side with and maybe understand some of the bowl game stuff when a bowl game does not maybe I can definitely understand yep. the, the bowl yeah. game this time of year checking out on dudes I, I ain't got nothing for them kind man are we talking about transfer or sitting out to go to the league maybe I remember no no we're talking about transferring like I mean we, okay we, we could get to that point I mean let's not oh okay that's why I was I was making I was making sure my head was in the right space I was like all right I was talking about sitting out because you're like saving your chance to get to there. You're talking about guys sitting out to transfer to a bigger school. Or yeah, school. or to sit out. I mean, most players that I've seen have said, I'm going to sit out the rest of the season. I played four games. I don't want to burn a year. Right. And, I don't and, burn and, a year. and the expectation is that they will transfer. None of them right. that I've seen, majority right. have not said I'm going to transfer. And, and when I saw that, like, I try to have like a ton of empathy around transferring because it happens all the time. Like, you know, right. you look at quarterbacks, five-star quarterbacks, 51% of them in the entire history of quarterbacks since ranking started in the year 2000 have transferred, right? Wow. Another 14% wow. transferred twice. So most guys do it. Hunter Johnson's transferred three times, right? Like, yeah. So, Ch- so I got empathy. Yeah. I mean, I, I got major empathy for like, hey, I, I got to do what's best for me. But this is where I think I have a problem. And, and I was thinking about it, Clint, to your point of like, we played in a different era. It wasn't an option. And we both know teammates that would have been like, y'all, I'm out because I'm going to league. And we all know that they would end up playing in Canada. Like they, they just right. weren't that guy, but they had a role on our team. And I just feel like we are going to continue to see separation among the great teams and teams that have a chance to elevate. Because I think the teams that have a chance to elevate, they're probably going to lose more guys. Because they don't want to be part of something special. And I, and I think it takes everything. I think college football is the, the greatest. We love it. It's the most intimate team sport in history of sport. It just is by scheme, by design, by experience. Right. And I think when guys are bouncing because they don't like their role after four games because they're just on kickoff and kickoff return, right. I think it's – I don't like it. Like I, I, I don't think it's good. I don't think it's good for the sport. I don't think it's good for the development. And I believe that if you're a good team, 
if you're an elite team, everybody's going to get some. Everybody's going to eat. Everybody's going to get their awards. Everybody's going to get paid. Everybody's going to get whatever it is. So again, each circumstance is different, but I feel like it's going to become, and I felt this last offseason, I felt like it was sexy to test the waters. Yeah, I'm going to check the portal out. Why? You're the number one receiver here. Or you're the number two receiver here. Or, hey, you might compete to be like a real dude here. I'm going to check it out. And then you check it out and you go somewhere because they love you up more, but you got to learn another system. You're not that happy. Like, I just think it's breeding an environment. I'm not trying to be the get off the lawn old guy here, but I think like the acceptance around it is almost too much right now because I think we're losing a lot of the things you learn from hanging. It's a season. It's not training camp. It's not the first two weeks of the season. It's like you play four games. Yeah. But but my thing is, do you change the rule? Because I I don't think guys are leaving. I think in my, my, my eyes, guys are leaving because of the rule not more so because they won't be a part of the team. And so it's more so like yeah, it, is a sure. self, it, is, it is a selfish decision. So I guess it's a solution yeah. to change the rule or to allow guys to have a mulligan year. Because if guys knew they could stay and I lose a year, I think guys will stay on the team. But it's the, it's the fact that, like, I can burn a year if I stay is why guys leave more so than they, they just want to get up and leave. For sure. 100%. And understand it. Like, again, total empathy – you were my teammates and you were like, Hey man, I'm just not playing. I got to go play somewhere else. Cool. I get it. But I just think it's going to snowball. Like, I think this is going to become a thing where right. a lot of guys on rosters that might not see like their future there. And and I'll be, I'll be straight up with you guys. Like I know we talk about the professionalization of this sport, less than 3% of power five football players make it to the NFL. Like right. we forget that like, or you, you graduate from Clemson. Like yeah. you graduate, like, like, the long game gets definitely put off, which is should be the thing at the forefront. Yo, the the part that I hate about it, and I think I think you hit the nail on the head. Or at least you kind of tiptoed around it. Is like the the acceptance of it. Like we got folks that feel bad or get jumped on or or or, or reprimanded because they say a kid's selfish as hell, right? Oh no, he's looking out for it. the coaches can leave. The players can leave. Why can't they? He's doing what's best for him and his family. Okay, that's fine. There can be multiple things that are true. Your ass is selfish. If four games into a season, the season ain't going like you wanted it to, and and you could help this team on special teams or you could help this team in a 2D, first thing you do is check up and turn in your badge. I mean, it's a selfish move. It can be the right thing for you and your family and all that. That's fine. But at the, at the end of the day, I should be able to sit here and go, that's a selfish-ass player making a decision strictly for himself and, and is not putting the team first. And putting the team first and, 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 and your, your, your brothers, the guy that you're, guys that you're in the locker room with, meaning more to you than walking away from and quitting is a real valuable thing to have in a locker room. And so for some reason, somehow we've gotten to a point where we can't, we can't have that conversation without being, you know, ridiculed about having that opinion. I, I just call it the old man, get off my lawn if you want to. I, I, I think the really good programs in this league, I, I think they have a level of accountability in their locker room. And that's one reason why they're really, really, really good. And yeah. to, to minimize that and act like it's not a, 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 a very significant part of winning, I think is, I, I just personally think is silly, man. Yeah, it's it's going to be fun to track. I'm going to try it every Tuesday night, bring a big picture item as we continue on the rest of the season because there's a bunch of them. 
And we've all been around the game and in our own fashion, different generations. So appreciate you guys going there. Thanks everybody for watching. This is the field of 12 after dark. It's week seven. Hard to believe. Enjoy it. Cause we got some great games coming up.